You're listening to the Private Citizen, a podcast for critical thinkers. This is episode 148 for Wednesday, the 22nd of March, 2023. An act of war. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host. My name is Fab and I'm coming to you from Dusseldorf in the west of Germany. Not come to you live. This is um, somewhat pre-recorded uh, due to a, a pretty hefty schedule on my part. Um, but, you know, if you're uh, used to listening to the podcast, this doesn't really concern you. It just means, you know, I uh, try to uh, record these things live and stream that on Twitch and then later upload that to YouTube. But we're not doing that today. Um, it's just the way it is. And um, for this episode... We're going to talk about uh, the Nord Stream pipeline, which I've obviously talked about previously. That was episode uh, 125. And then I guess again in the listener feedback uh, in 127, but generally in, in episode um, 125. And uh, today um, we're going to talk about some new revelations in the story that came out a while ago and that um, have been somewhat um yeah i don't know i want to say kept quiet in the press not really uh talked about that much so um that's what we are doing today i have um obviously um you know i've been the schedule the show has been off once again i'm just very have been um incredibly busy recently uh with some stuff that's kind of behind the scenes that you know I can't really talk about and then some some you know general writing and and doing um hosting webinars and actually last week I was um uh, well when you're listening to this last week um I've been in um actually when I'm recording this last week so this is confusing this is podcasting magic thought anyway if I was in uh, Hanover uh, for sec IT uh, uh, security conference from um from Heiser and I was uh, hosting a stage there for two days, which was um, nice. It was interesting. I met a lot of interesting people, but it was also very stressful um, traveling and all of that and throwing off my schedule even more. But anyway, I'm I'm, I'm still hoping uh, we can make it back to a more regular schedule and just get more episodes out because I kind of owe you that. Um, so the plan is um, I, I've got a lot of things to cover. I've got two Twitter files episodes that I've have kind of prepared that I've been um, pushing off for a long time, um, just because other stuff happened. Um, then there is an episode um, I kind of I haven't prepared, but I, I I have been wanting to do. You know, I did an episode on the the um, Ampel, uh, the traffic light coalition in Germany, the German government, and I, I so for months now, um, probably half. You know, I wanted to do a um, recap episode you know I'm now looking at now that the government's been in for actually i think it's been longer than half the term now um anyway just recapping what you know what has transpired and kind of uh, seeing how they they've done spoilers not not very well at all so i want to do an episode on that and then there's uh some interesting things in the podcasting field where basically um um, the powers that be seem to have discovered that podcasts um, have become this is what 
what they kind of think have become like this area where people talk about doing what I'm doing right now, talk, talking about things that are not covered in the press and, you know, that are kind of um, making people in power unhappy, which, you know, podcasts have always been like from the very beginning, I've kind of come up with the slogan, like, you know, years ago, I think in 2007, maybe, um, I came up with the slogan, new media, new rules. And it's kind of not new media anymore, but I still use that slogan. I kind of like it. Um, and um, yeah, it's not really new media anymore. But I mean, this was what podcasting was about from the beginning. Anyway, I want to do an episode about that. What's um, in store? What what kind of the ideas are um, as far as, you know, um, cataloging speech on podcasts and, you know, probably this being one step towards possible censorship of podcasting you know kind of what the what the plans are there and um, um maybe uh, segue a little bit or start with a little bit of history of, of podcasting and um what's so important about podcasting and yeah um well we'll we'll um we'll get into that in that episode so that's the the immediate next episodes i have planned of course if something happens um everything gets pushed back again while i record another episode but that's the way it is uh, i can't really complain as there's you know more content than i can cover so that's a, that's a good problem to have like the other way if i was just like grasping for content that would be much worse for the show um but you know that's kind of the 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 what you can expect in the future and uh, and just me scrambling and trying to get more shows i really want to do it i'm not kind of I'm not procrastinating here. It's just other work um, often takes precedence. But I do realize that many supporters uh, who actually um, subs kind of subscribe, you know, to the to the Patreon and kind of um, um, financially support the show as well. So I want to honor that, and um, that's really important to me. So I just want to let you know that I'm, once again, I'm, I'm giving my best here. Uh, anyway, if you have any feedback on any of that, of course, uh, go to privatecitizen.press. Uh, link in the show notes. Especially the forum um, is um, is interesting there, I think. Um, you know, um, just maybe discuss with other listeners. Or, you know, just give me some feedback on, on what you think about the plans and uh, how do you, how, how, you know, how you like the show and the content. And if you w would want to change something, please let me know. Um, I'm looking at, I think, uh, the um, company that is hosting the forum uh, has... Um, I've read some stuff that they're updating to. I'm, I'm using a software called Discourse, and they'll be updating to Discourse 3.0 soon. Um, one of the big features that brings with it is chat, and uh, I'm excited about that. So I'll enable that once um, once once I get that version uh, up and um, we get that running, um, because you know we we used to have a. Um, um, a dis Discord server, which is kind of like, you know, um, real-time chat, which I found hard to keep up with. But I guess some people miss that. So I, I, I think we'll now have best of both worlds. We'll still have the forum and then for more ephemeral stuff, you know, stuff that is deleted after some time, uh, we can have some chat if people want to chat with each other. Um, I think that's a good idea. So you can look forward to that. What I'm trying to say is, you know, go to the forum forum.fab.industries or go to private citizen press all the details are there in the contact um as a contact link up at the top like a page that you can that that explains everything um well without further ado 
Um, let's get into the, the, the topic of today. So I guess um, a quick recap, um, obviously, um, you know, we uh, on um, on episode 125, I talked about Nord Stream. This was uh, in September of 2022. Um, so uh, because on, on the 26th of September of last year, um, three leaks appeared uh, in the Baltic Um where basically it transpired that the Nord Stream pipelines, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2, had blown up. And, you know, Nord Stream 1 was a pipeline that's been there for years. It's a pipeline that goes from Russia uh, all through the Baltic. Um, it's actually, you know, it's it, it's it's like this pipeline cased, encased in a concrete at the bottom of the Baltic Sea. And um, it goes all the way through the Baltic to the uh, German city of, near the German city of Greifswald, um, where there's a big terminal. And it's basically Russian, it was basically delivering cheap Russian gas to Germany, which, you know, uh, is a huge country, uh, you know, the biggest economy uh, in Europe and, and, you know, needs a lot of, of gas for the economy, but also, you know, just to heat homes. And um, we had some good deals uh, with, with Russia there for a few years and got some really good cheap gas. And, you know, under the, uh, under the aegis of uh, Chancellor Merkel, um, a second pipeline, Nord Stream 2, was, was commissioned and eventually built. And um, actually, um, you know, uh, in the, uh, around, around the time this whole, you know, invasion of Ukraine started, um, actually got got started up and then shut down again. And, you know, obviously when the war started, there was all this, these problems. And it was actually um, not in use, in active use, when the pipelines were, were blown up. Um, now, um, you know, when the war started, there was obviously um, German um, issues with uh, with Russia. And so... You know the the uh, there was the whole. Oh, sorry, I'm just distracted. There's just a police helicopter flying overhead and shining a searchlight into my my studio here. But they just flew past. I don't think they're looking for me. But that was a bit distracting. <laughs> no, yeah, it was probably that was a federal police helicopter. I guess it looks like they might be looking for somebody. Um, yeah. So where was I? Um, yeah. So. Um, you know, obviously we kind of uh, embargoed Russia and, and, and stopped the gas stuff. But, like, the pipeline was still there. So it was, um, you know, the, we stopped the gas imports, but, like, the pipeline was still there. And there was, um, or the Russians stopped the exports, actually. But, you know, there wasn't much gas flowing. But, you know, the pipeline was still there. So there was always the possibility of um, it been turned, being turned on again, like some kind of deal being reached with Russia. Now, the, the, when the pipeline blew up, obviously, we didn't know, right? When I did this first episode, um, we, we had no idea who it was. And um, every, the, the press immediately said, um, you know, that it was the Russians, um, which, I, which I thought, um, like, hilarious. I, I, I thought that was, like, a really stupid idea. I mean, I poked fun of it as the, 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 the image... Um, 
you know, the episode image, preview image, I put like this image of Putin in a submarine. Um, that was a meme at that time, you know, because, uh, you know, Putin did the dive there himself and blew it up. Um, and yeah, so, so, you know, there's always like this very easy thing, you know, uh, if something happens and you don't know who who did it, you know, that's the old qui bono, you know, Latin for who benefits question you can ask. And um, the Russians didn't benefit from, from blowing up this pipeline because um, Germany uh, was, was um, kind of beholden to Russia because of this gas. Even when we stopped the imports, um, there was this incentive to come to a peaceful solution um, with Russia over this conflict in Ukraine um, to regain the source of this gas, right? Because um, Germany being very, um, you know, the economy just being so big, it's dependent and we don't, you know, really have natural resources. So Germany's always been dependent on importing um, energy like this. And this, 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 has been, this has been going back, to the Industrial Revolution. Um, if you actually look, of course, I did history in university and did a lot of, on World War II. You know, if you look at the German, um, like one of the big impetus uh, for Hitler to attack the Soviet Union actually was to get control of Ukraine and the oil fields in Ukraine and in, in Baku um, down at the, uh, the Caspian Sea, I think. You know, so, so the big part of this push was just to um, secure a supply line of uh, mineral oil for uh, you know the further war not not you know not only against the soviet union but like the whole like war in europe um so this has been a factor for germany ever since you know before the current incarnation of germany has existed actually um and it's it's just a geopolitical factor and it's it was uh, good for the russians you know that we were beholden to them in this respect. So it didn't really make sense for the Russians to blow the pipeline up, I thought, from the beginning. Um, you know, obviously, Kui uh, Bono, uh, the Ukrainians are a immediate suspect, but I just don't think, and I, I said this in the in that episode as well, I just from the beginning, I thought they didn't really have the possibilities, right? I mean, I mean, even they have the theoretical possibilities, they very much have their hands full, um, defending their country right now and you'd think the ukrainian intelligence services if they had like any um offensive operations going it would be against the russians and you know trying to take out vladimir putin or whatever um which you know they they don't seem to be able to do either but i don't i don't think it's 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 reasonable that they that they run a um operation in the Baltic to blow up this pipeline. Um, so the the second obvious suspect, as I said from the beginning, are the Americans, um, because obviously they're on the side of Ukraine, they're against the Russians, and they would just benefit from drawing Germany out of the orbit of the Russians uh, into more into the American influence. And it, um, so that was, that was my immediate, um, they were my immediate top suspects, especially because 
President Joe Biden and was what she undersecretary of state or something, you know, Newland, uh, Victoria Newland, you know, fuck the EU, Newland, um, both said publicly, I mean, this was before the renewed um, invasion in, uh, you know, in March of 2022. Um, this was like the summer before that. Um, so, or like the the autumn, I think. Um, so we're talking 2021, basically Biden and, and Newland threatened the Russians and said, if you escalate this war, um, because this, this was... Um, Maybe it was even in wasn't it in January. It was before the the renewed invasion. No, they kind of threatened the Russians and said, um, "There's video of this, um, of of both instances." And they said, "You know, if you attack, we'll 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 find a way of shutting this pipeline down." Like Biden's been in um, in discussions with the German government and at the time um, with Angela Merkel and her government to like you know, stop this pipeline, like to dissuade Germany from using this new pipeline they've built, at least, you know, Nord Stream 2. I mean, if they were still using Nord Stream 1, at least stop them from using, from from firing up Nord Stream 2. And the Merkel government was actually quite resistant. Um, and then, the you know, the Ampel coalition came in and, and the, the, the Scholz government was, um, was initially also resistant to this. Of course, because it goes against Germany's, you know, national interest very much, and you know, I don't think the Americans were actually providing anything of of worth, right? It was more more a stick than a carrot situation, um, and so so you know, but bottom line is Biden basically said we're gonna sh find a way to shut this pipeline down, um, and then lo and behold, the pipeline blows up. Um, so you'd obviously like so he obviously made himself a prime the Americans a prime suspect immediately, um, and then the thing I also noticed I mean I wasn't the only one half the internet noticed this um, just previously to this pipeline blowing up there was a huge there's always a, every year there's a exercise called belt ops which is like a big NATO exercise but this year was especially big um, and uh, there was, um, you know, a, a U.S. The U.S.'s Kearsarge, for example, I talked about that was uh, was was in was in the in, in the Baltic. So it's like an amphibious assault. It's like a small aircraft carrier, basically. There were all these different boats, and there were certainly, you know, U.S. Navy elements uh, in the vicinity of, of of Bornholm, like the Danish island of Bornholm, where like the, the close to that was where this pipeline blew up. Um, that could have, you know. That definitely had the capabilities to send divers down and plant explosives that then later on blew the pipeline up. So this was my theory from the beginning. Um, then I didn't do an episode on this for a long time because there was basically nothing to report. The only thing I could have said is that the press basically uh, wasn't home. Like nobody did any, like the press in Germany, the, the as far as I can tell, the press in the U.S., um, the, the rest of the press in Europe, nobody did any actual research into what might have happened. The, the, all the stories that came out on this was, oh my God, this is like a huge mystery. Um, you know, it it looks like it was the Russians. It might have been the Ukrainians, but we all think it was the Russians. But like no actual research. Um, and which is a bit surprising. I mean, you know, 
at the time, if you thought, okay, it was the American Authority uh, in uh, secret operations, but operations, but with a huge exercise like like belt ops with like the navies and the air, like the militaries of like all the NATO countries involved, there's like thousands of people involved. Even if the Americans pull off off like a secret operation, somebody must have noticed something, right? Um, and it's not like the Bal- the Baltic is somewhere in the middle of of nowhere like in the arctic circle um if you ever if you ever like crossed the the baltics on a ferry or whatever on a ship you you know that there's like this incredible amounts of ship traffic um you know it's very well known that the russians have have very good intelligence capabilities like there's been these rumors for decades of russian um nuclear submarines um diving through the baltic like submerged and you know and actually surfacing like in swedish ports and stuff like that and and and, and you know d- diving you know through the skagorak without you know surfacing stuff like that um so um yeah so so i mean and you'd think like the nato countries have the same kind of like capabilities you know sonar radar all this surveillance like satellite surveillance um so you'd think somebody would have noticed and you know you'd think if the press just put their sights on it and kept digging at some point something would surface but nothing happened everybody just you know very uncorrect characteristically for the press they all just said well it's a mystery (laughs) you know that's not a very journalistic way of thinking obviously um and so why am i do why am i doing this episode because oh by the way um before i get into that i want to just say you know i've, I've said before uh you know go to private citizen or press send me some feedback i mean there's obviously all the the materials for the show and, and, and the show notes as usual but like um so, so this whole episode is obviously going to center around me you know speculating that this was the americans i know that i have a lot of u.s listeners um i would like to know what you think about this like am i way out of line here i mean obviously um you know i've talked about on the show there's no like there's no really objective reporting on anything and i try to tell you my biases so i think my biases here are obvious i'm german (laughs) you know um i'm also kind of against war so i'm kind of also against this war um um, I'm not pro-Russia in any sense, really, but I'm also not pro-Ukrainian, as like the most of the press in Germany here uh, seems to be. I'm like kind of neutral. I'm kind of trying to treat like both parties of this war, um, um, like objectively, right? Um, obviously, the Russians are the aggressors. Um, but you know, I can kind of also a little bit understand what led to this war, like the political aggression. I've talked about this in the past, you know, from the EU and NATO. So you know, I'm I'm just trying to say, I, please, I'm I'm trying to be um, balanced on this. But I obviously have biases. If you think, yeah, I would just like to know what you think. Are you like, you know, you're in the US and you're like, I, yeah, I think our government did this, or you're like, no, this is propaganda, this is bullshit. I would like your input. So please. Go to the show notes, private citizen or press, and contact me in some way, and let me know. I'd be very, very interested. Um, right. So, um, 
Yes. So so what what happened? What's like the new thing that happened? So we had um, somebody called Seymour Hirsch um, starting a Substack and writing a very explosive uh, article. So now, if you don't know who Seymour Hirsch is, um, you might be forgiven, but he's a very famous veteran investigative reporter from the US. Um, I think he kind of came out of retirement for this and also, uh, I guess, went to Substack because he didn't feel like anybody else would publish the story. Now, Seymour Hirsch uh, won a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, he's won several other high-profile um, like journalistic prizes throughout his career. He won his Pulitzer for uncovering um, the My Lai uh, massacre in the Vietnam War, which was like a, a huge massacre perpetrated by American troops against uh, civilians in Vietnam and that was covered up by the military and the White House. And um, he uh, also did, of course, uh, many other stories. So he has, he has had a very long career. And um, I'm going to talk about a little bit about the other stories he's, he's done later on. But that's Seymour Hirsch. He's he's well known. Um, he's a he's a good friend of Daniel Ellsberg, who's the guy who you know one of the most important whistleblowers in history, who uh, published the Pentagon Papers, and you know kind of with Ellsberg together, um, you know they've both been obviously high-profile critics critics of the Vietnam War, and I guess you know, he writes on the Substack a little bit how he kept in touch and you know all of that kind of stuff. But you know he's a I think he's a he's a good guy now. Um, so he went, he created a Substack and he wrote uh, a story called How America Took Out the Nord Stream Pipeline. Um, it's important to know that this whole reporting is based on a single anonymous source. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to explain to you what he's saying and then I'm going to do a, um, we're going to do a second segment of the show on how believable I think the story is. So let, let's shave, let's shelve all of that um, for a later discussion. Let's just, take at face value what you wrote. So it's a story based on a single uh, anonymous source who has high profile access to uh, intelligence, like classified operation, obviously. And the source and Hirsch basically said that the um, Obama administration planned this attack and then executed it as part of the Belt Ops exercise. Um, so interestingly, the story also implicates the Norwegian Navy and he goes into how like the Norwegians have a big um, history of, you know, uh, being allies of the US. Um, you know, there's also, uh, he goes back to Vietnam because it's kind of his topic and how like, you know, there were Norwegian sailors and uh, in Vietnam because the Norwegians sold the US Navy, these coastal ships and and all, all of that stuff, um, you know, in the Gulf of Tonkin Tonkin um, incident and how the war started and there's all these implications I really don't want to go into but it's it's very interesting to me um, I I always I, I knew that the 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 Norwegians are kind of very close with the U.S. and I've actually seen this firsthand last year um, I did a motorcycle trip with my dad to the uh, North Cup uh, the North Cape up up at the top very very top of Europe uh, in in Norway actually. And um, when you go over um, from the, obviously this was already while like the really war in Ukraine was going on, um, but, you know, and if you come over from Finland 
and you go to Norway, like there's there's a huge military base there um, up the top um, uh, in Norway there, and there's like you can immediately see there, there's like lots of U.S. presence everywhere. Um, I also know um, and and Hirsch actually talks about this as well. There's a um, a, a big submarine base. Um, it's like in a fjord close to Narvik. Um, and I'm, I'm very interested in submarines. I'm kind of a submarine maniac. So I, I knew this uh, before, but like there, the Americans basically built a, a secondary submarine base up there um, to operate against the Russians in, in the polar waters of the, you know, of the North Pole. Um, so they're, they're very close to the Americans. And it kind of makes sense um, if you like, you know, if you're the yes to pick like a local partner, and it kind of makes sense to pick the Norwegians because um, the Norwegians actually also benefit from this. They ben, you know, Norway benefited a lot from this pipeline blowing up because um, Germany, in its um, struggle to replace Russian gas, turned both to the uh, the Americans, both to the U.S. Import actually built in a in a very, very fee quick feat of engineering, built a huge liquid natural gas terminal for um, American um, LNG um, to be shipped over the Atlantic. But also, obviously, there is a, um, a new pipeline being built, I think also very quickly. I think it's almost finished. I think it's going through Poland, um, where Norwegian gas is ba basically now substituting a lot of the Russian gas. Um, which uh, you know is obviously uh, benefiting Norway a lot. Norway being very rich, um, the government—it's always cited here in Europe as an example, a uh, good example that the government they created like this fund, um, I think decades ago, where they you know the, all the money they made um, uh, with with the natural resource they paid in there and to to like you know set up the Norwegian uh, social healthcare and you know social system. And um, I always thought this was funny because uh, people, um, the same kind of people who praise this, um, also praise Norway for being, you know, Norway has all these, 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 uh, it's, it's like leading on like this green, green initiative to like ban petrol cars and all that. And everybody's buying, buying Teslas up there, uh, which is, you know, always hold up as an example here in Germany, which is hilarious for it first of all because you can't compare Norway to Germany um, you know just a big country with very few people living in it lots of natural resources Germany has no natural resources has lots of people and a much 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 bigger economy right Germany is a reproduce things um, and maybe to some extent now a service economy but you know reproduce things whereas Norway basically made its fortune by just digging all this natural resources like all this gas and oil um out of the sea um pumping it out of the sea i guess um which of course is is, is hilarious that they now hold up as like a held up as a green uh, paragon of green virtue after basically for 50 60 70 years having supplied most of the oil and gas that you know the european economy was burning um so the, you know if if we're talking about like you know, global warming, if that is your um, your major concern, then you can hard, like, you basically have to blame Norway. Like, Norway is one of the big, uh, was a, one of the big beneficiaries of, 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 you know, 
putting carbon into the air. So, you know, um, you know, it's funny to me that they're now lauded as like this paragon of virtue. But anyway, you know, they're now selling, again, selling huge quantities of gas to Germany. Um, so they're obviously benefiting from this. Um, and so um, Hirsch is basically saying that the Obama administration planned this attack, um, planned it to be like executed as part of belt ops later on, and um, that they involved the Norwegian Navy to help. And basically he says the operation was planned by the CIA. Um, you know, basically Biden had a meeting with the, the, as they like to call it, the intelligence community, all the intelligence services. And, um, you know, it looks like the CIA took point. I mean, it's kind of a CIA operation, uh, you know, blowing up a pipeline in a different country. So it makes sense. But interestingly, Hearst says it was later transferred to the U.S. Navy uh, for the reason, and I've, I've heard people say that this is bullshit. I can't really tell. Um so Hirsch says they did this because if if like the intelligence community, so the any of the intelligence services plans and executes an operation like this, um obviously the um the oversight in Congress, like the oversight committee, like those, was it the big five or whatever they're called? You know, there's like a committee that, that oversees the intelligence services that has to be briefed on this. And they wanted to um even though like these people that sit on this committee are like really, really friendly with the intelligence services and they probably agree with them most of the time. Um, they didn't, I guess, didn't want to take that risk and didn't want to take the risk that this being leaked that the, uh, you know, that the U S was responsible. Um, so they moved it to, to the purview of the Navy, of course, not the Navy intelligence service, because then it would have again been, have to been reported, but um, apparently the operation was carried out by Navy divers from the U.S. Navy's Diving and Salvage Center, um, which is apparently located in Panama City, Florida. Um, so basically a normal military unit. Um, Hearst says this is, um, you know, they did this to obviously to, to not... Um, have to disclose this in oversight. Now, critics say, of course, the Navy is also under oversight. That is true. I don't know how that, you know, I don't know if that's true. But anyway, I just wanted to, um, um, you know, talk about, report what he said there without me being able to to say if that, that actually makes sense or not. Um, I didn't, you know, that's just something that you really need to know the the ins and outs and kind of the topic. It's not something you can easily research. Um, I mean, I tried, but, you know, I don't I don't really know. I can't really judge if that makes sense. It certainly makes sense for the Navy to plan this kind of thing because as Hirsch also points out, I mean, the U.S. Navy certainly has the capabilities. Um, he talks about in the 70s and 80s how, um, you know, the, the, the they had submarines basically uh, splicing into undersea um communications cables by the soviets and you know getting lots of um information we know about this because there was a double agent or yeah i think no i think just uh just a soviet agent who leaked this who got caught um who leaked this to the russians but you know we kind of uh, we kind of learned later that they did this and we, you know there's you know we know that that the navy has these kind of capabilities they have all these 
ways of like stealthily launching. I mean, they have ways of launching divers from submarines directly, right? They have these things that um, they're like little, they're like torpedoes. They're like man torpedoes. They fit in the, into a torpedo tube and they have like these, you put basically put these divers on a torpedo and then you launch them from a torpedo tube and then they have like this thing they can ride, which looks like a torpedo, but it's like an under, it's like an underwater little scooter, like a sub, little submarine that they can, that they can ride and, you know, get to places and stuff. And they have mini subs and ways, ways of recovering divers without having to surface and all of this. Um, so they certainly have the capabilities. Um, Hirsch kind of says that, um, so Obama did this meeting, not Obama. <laughs> it sounds like something Obama would have done. That's why I thought Obama. No, Biden had this meeting and basically said, uh, so we want to destroy this pipeline come up with a plan, all options are on the table, including, as they like to say, kinetic options, you know, this being some kind of a kinetic option. So the CIA developed this uh, this operation that then, you know, went to the Navy, and so they basically planned to do this during the bolt ops exercise, which makes sense, and um, there's also, interestingly, which is published, um, Hirsch's links to it, there was, like, as part of this bolt ops, um, which was, you know, proudly announced on on the website and by PR for for you know for NATO and the US military there was a big exercise that happened right right around where these leaks later appeared where the pipeline blew up um off the coast of Bornholm um where you know they did a big exercise with several navies involved of like one side uh you know they always do these like exercises where where, where where you know parts of parts of the force plays like this one side and the other part does the, does the other side. So one one part of the uh, the operation was like planting mines and the others were deploying divers to disarm the mines. Um, and so I think what what Hirsch is basically saying he doesn't have this from his source. He's just researched that, but he's basically implying that you know they did it as part of that. Like you know they, they had like extra drivers probably go down and plant explosives on the pipeline. Now, the original plan apparently was to have um, explosives that would blow up after 48 hours, um, but then Biden didn't really like that, which makes sense. Um, apparently, there was concern that, you know, you have the U.S. Navy going through, and then two days later, like, the fucking pipeline explodes. That would look suspicious. We didn't want that. So they apparently developed, and this is, again, where the Norwegian Navy helped um, and they probably help with local knowledge and ev evading Russian detection or whatever, or, um, or probably detection by, by Germans or other force. I don't know. Um, but they, they again helped. So Bi Biden said, I want to, I want something we can remotely detonate. Now, the problem with that is, of course, you can plant explosives, um, underwater. You can kind of, it's really hard. Like this is like 80 meters deep at the point where this, the pipeline explode. It's kind of hard to do that with like radio signals. I mean, you certainly can, but like those are very detectable. So the general idea is to have like, usually you do something like this with a sonar signal, right? Which you can, um, spread somewhere, you know, you can, you can, um, I think Hirsch is saying they dropped the sonar buoy, um, but you can certainly also do that from the coast, like, you know, sound waves of the spread very far in the water. Um, now, the problem with that is, of course, that the Russians and, and other countries, probably Germany, um, bordering this, um, 
area have listening stations and if you just send a signal that would be weird you could pick that up so apparently what they developed was a signal that kind of sounds like um ocean background noise but really isn't so you have a very sophisticated sonar um listening device on the bomb um you know attached to the detonator and it's listening for a very specific uh sonar pattern that kind of sounds random to a listener uh but then you know blows up the explosives and and apparently um that's how they did that um yeah so i mean obviously i'm kind of convinced that he's right because it very much echoes what i thought from the very beginning it just sounds logical to me um it sounds within the capabilities of the u.s military um it does sound like something biden would do um I'm not. I'm not saying this is far fetched. I mean, he he publicly said he would. He, they would have ways to disrupting the pipeline. Um, uh, the it, it it it's also very interesting that they did this off the coast of Bornholm, which is a Danish island off the mainland of Sweden. Um, now, interestingly, um, the the. Uh, up to this, that point, before it enters German territorial waters, these two pirates, they, they run, like, next to each other, right? Um, run mostly through Swedish waters. Um, and and the, the, the place where the pipeline exploded is within Danish territorial waters. And I find that very interesting. Um, I also think it makes sense. Um, just from, you know, looking at the countries involved, I think that if, I think they did that because if it comes out that this was the US, then I think the Danish are very much less likely to complain than the Swedish. Um, I think the Danish are closer to the US. I think, you know, there are to me, it sounds like a more willing part of NATO. I mean, uh, Sweden, actually, I, I, I looked this up, but I forgot. Um, let me just look this up again. Since when Sweden has been in NATO. Um, I know, you know, Sweden. Um, oh, actually, yeah, that was, um, that's right. Um, Sweden isn't in the NATO, right? They're on track to, actually, that makes it even more. I mean, they're, they have close... Um, relationship with NATO. I kind of assumed they were part of NATO. They're actually not part of NATO. That, that makes it even more makes even more sense, you know. So Finland is on track to join NATO, and I think it's now a done deal. It looks like Sweden um, has also applied um, last year. Um, but yeah, that would that would make even more sense now. You know, blow it up on the territory of, of a NATO member. Um, you know. Uh, instead of, but I, to me it also makes sense. Like Denmark, they always talk a big game, but they're like a tiny country. They have a tiny military. Like you know, they're not um, a threat to anybody really. Um, I think Sweden. I mean, Sweden's also not that. Like the country is big, but like doesn't have that many inhabitants. But I think it has a much bigger military and also a more capable military. Um, 
But I mean, the elephant in the room here, uh, and which is why I think the press hasn't touched this, uh, neither before nor after Hirsch wrote the story, especially the US press. I mean, there have been some reports in the German press, but like not really on the Hirsch story, but more, a little bit, but like more generally after the, the um, pipeline exploded, more US critical stuff, obviously, than in the US. Um, but like the reason the press, I think, didn't even want to investigate this because it looked like, too, you know, I think, you know, most journalists that thought about this critically must have come to the same conclusion as me. Uh, that this was the U.S., but I think they just didn't want to uncover that it was the U.S. Because, I mean, what this is, this is why this episode is called An Act of War. What this is, is an act of war uh, against three countries, against Germany and Russia, who own this pipeline, uh, you know, especially just being just right off, you know, the German coast, but also against Denmark, because this is, you know, with with Bornholm right there, this being in Danish territory waters, you know, you could, you would argue this is an act of war. Um, just imagine, like, Russia was not at war with Ukraine, and this was a Ukrainian pipeline, and the Russians blew it up. You know, nobody would argue that that would be an act of war. Um, so I think, you know, in the press is always called terrorism, an act of terrorism. I think this is because they don't want to, you know, point to a... They always say it's, it, it was likely there was a state actor, but, you know, at that point, I don't think it, it is even... It is not... It isn't terrorism. <laughs> you know, if a state actor, presumably the military or an intelligence service, blows up a critical part of infrastructure on another country's territory, I think that is an act of war. <laughs> you know? It doesn't really matter if it's like divers or if you shoot a missile over. Um, so I think it's, you know, the, the press didn't really want to uncover that. They didn't, they don't want to, um, especially the U S press, they don't want to actually, you know, people like the New York times and the Washington post, they want to keep this as a mystery and not actually learn that it was their own government who basically declared war on Germany, uh, or, you know, on NATO allies with this. Um, I think this is. To me, um, I don't think it's a it's a conspiracy, right? Because I don't think those German journalists have been told not to cover this. I think they 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 don't want to cover it from. I think they think it's bad. You know, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like when 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 it became clear that you know COVID uh, SARS CoV two vaccines actually had some significant side effects that wasn't largely covered in the press. Uh, the press just went, yeah, let's not talk about this. It might dissuade people from taking the vaccine, right? I think this is the same thing. Uh, if we actually cover this, then, you know, this might actually lead to uh, a problem with the U.S., like worsening relations. I mean, there's not going to be a war with the U.S., obviously. Um, like, I mean, even if this came out, I think Denmark would just swallow it, and Germany as well. Russia, you know, basically can't do anything. So, I mean, they also wouldn't declare this an act of war, I think, because they don't want to be in a war with the US uh, so yeah uh, but you know I think it's kind of the same like journalists basically not being journalists 
not taking their job seriously, right? They're being more activists, thinking about what's better for the planet or the world or your country or whatever, which is not what being a journalist is about. A journalist, you know, a journalist is, is about being a journalist, about finding the truth, so to speak, you know, air quotes, whatever the truth is, you know, getting to the bottom of things, um, not worrying about the consequences. That's not your job as a journalist, <laughs> you know, and you get you get actually taught that at, journalism school so i hear not that i've ever been to one but that's what everybody says when they're talking about their job you know our job is to do do not um judge and to just get the public the facts which is what they didn't do um but let's 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 talk about how like is this actually does this make sense is this actually a, a a credible story because obviously that is the defense by the journalists not covering it saying this like this is ridiculous this is a conspiracy theory this is bullshit now i think if you look at the story i think it does make sense at least in my eyes but you know we are here to think critically. We have to think about this, you know, and 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 look at this critically. So, so the biggest argument against this story that's I ironically actually been brought by people in the mainstream press, you know, um, people like uh, you know who would would I don't think it, this was actually covered in the Times, but you know, people liked working for the New York Times, like the people working for the New York Times and the Washington Post, and you know, like. Certainly in Germany, um, outlets like Die Zeit and Der Spiegel have written about this, or uh, comment, people have from those uh, publications commented on this and basically said, well, one of the uh, the problems with this story is that it's just uh, one anonymous story, uh, the source, right? Um, or even an anonymous source at all, which to me is hilarious because all these other stories... Um, uh, you know, uh, are always like they're always anonymous sources from like the intelligence community or whatever, right? And then, then that that that's suddenly okay. You know, it's just an anonymous government source. Then okay, uh, you know, it's uh, many, 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 many of the stories. Like I mean, down to the old WMD stuff, right? Where they, you know, they just believe the 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 anonymous government sources. Um, and now suddenly it's a problem. Right when the when the guy on Substack does it, who, who you know you don't like his conclusions, then suddenly you attack him by it. So I don't think that is a reasonable attack for those journalists. I think it's a factor. You know, it, it's my biggest doubt about the story that the sourcing is just that sparse. But you know, at some point, just put yourself in the um, in the shoes of Hirsch. Let's say you're very well connected in those you know, Washington circles, very well-connected um, investigative journalists, and you have a source telling you this. It makes complete sense, and everything they say makes sense, and you check whatever they say, and it makes sense to you. Um, like, of course you publish this. Like, it's not like you're going to find a second source, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like anybody else, you're, you're lucky as hell to have, to have one source admitting this shit. It's kind of like a whistleblower, right? It's kind of like, you know, you're discounting, okay, of course, Snowden was uncovered very quickly, but I, I think the idea with Snowden initially was that he'd remain an anonymous source. Like, you know, but if that would have come out, like, you wouldn't have just said, well, it's just one anonymous source, right? Um, Snowden was not so believable because he came out at, you know, and then we knew who Edward Snowden was. Snowden was believable because he had all this material that was 
believable and that corroborated stuff that we basically already known. So, you know, it wasn't a slight on Snowden that, that his stuff was just one anonymous source, right? Um, or just one person, even anonymous or not, like, you know, the, the intelligence services tried to discredit him. Um, so, you know, you wouldn't believe the intelligence service going, well, it's just one guy, don't believe him, this is all made up. If it's credible, you know, you can believe stories from one guy. And, of course, Hirsch is not only one one guy. I mean, the the stuff he's, he's, he's done in his career, you know, the My Lai Massacre, you know, he t he talked about the, he did a lot of stories about Vietnam War, like the bombing of Cambodia. He did like a, um, uh, stories on the, the, the CIA spying program on um, anti-war Americans, you know, under LBJ and Nixon. Um, he uh, wrote a book about Kissinger and like the Vietnam War and as, as well as Cambodia. He was the guy... Um, uncovering uh, the, you know, the huge Glomar Explorer, right? When the when the U.S. Navy uh, stealthily uh, tried to uh, salvage and actually salvage part of the Russian submarine K-129. This is a great story, by the way. I'm going to go into that, but, like, um, that's an amazing... That's one of, the, one of my favorite submarine stories. The great submarine story is a great um, um, spy story and it's also a great propaganda story because... Uh, you know the uh, we can neither confirm nor deny thing. Um, we call that in the business. Uh, we call that the Gloma response because that is what the government. So basically, um, um, uh, the the Russians. Just to recap the story very quickly, the Russians in the Cold War lost the submarine, um, and the U.S. Navy figured that out. And the Russians were looking for the submarine. The, the Americans had very advanced sonar detection capabilities spread around the whole globe that enabled them to basically find this submarine. Um, but they didn't want the Russians to know that they had this technology. So they couldn't claim that they found the submarine. Um, also, they couldn't send a ship of the Navy ship out to look for the submarine because the Russians would have gone gotten suspicious. So they used... Um, they basically came up with a very, very um, ingenious plan. They used Howard Hughes, um, who was uh, at the time, like, I think, was he a billionaire? Was that, like, already, like, this is in the, this is obviously um, in the 70s. Um, don't know if he was, if, if, if like, it was just a, a millionaire or a billionaire back then but like he was like this business conglomerate he's like one of the guys i think tony stark is modeled after um he was like this this really crazy guy um who like you know kind of like a you know elon musk is, is, is maybe com comparable to him like he he like flew planes and like he's like the last years of his life he just lived in this Vegas Hotel is like a crazy dude. But he was like very, you know, um, uh, pro-government and like, you know, he had history with the intelligence services. So they used his company as a cover and they invented, this is actually where the story of the, like the, the, um, 
this uh, manganese nodules on the ocean floor, which are actually not as widespread. You know, there, there was this whole idea. There's actually a, a lot of Sequest, the 90s sci-fi show, and they, they keep talk, talking about this, which is one of the reasons. It's actually more myth than... I mean, you can you can certainly mine them, but they're not as widespread or as... Um, um, precious, like as worth as much as, as, as you know, kind of... Um, public uh, myth would have you believe, which is down to this whole idea. So basically they spread the idea that like these manganese nodules are worth a lot and that huge use uh, was going after it, like with this specially built ship and they did like the first, like, you know, one first of the biggest efforts in undersea mining and all of this, which is all just a cover story to like, you know, find and, and salvage this Russian submarine to learn, what the Russian, like, you know, learn what capabilities the Russian submarines have. And this is where the Gloma response comes from, because when asked if they'd, um, you know, Hirsch and other journalists investigating this, when asked if they actually did this, they said, we can neither confirm nor deny this, uh, because they weren't legally allowed to lie. Um, so, but they also couldn't say yes, so they had to do that. Uh, anyway, it's a fascinating story, but, you know, Hirsch was involved in that. He did, like, a lot of stuff. And, of course, he did the, um, he was one of the journalists who originally uncovered the, the U.S. torture of prisoners in Abu Ghraib uh, in Iraq, which obviously was a big uh, scandal. Um, so he has, like, you know, He's not just a guy, which is interesting because when people talk about the story now, uh, when the press covers it, it's like they make him out to be like this crazy guy. Uh, but he's actually one of the most accomplished and best investigative journalists in the, you know, in the history of US, uh, of the US press. Um, of course, he's, he's old now and he's kind of retired and and it's like everybody like they they make it out like these days they attack him by like oh he's just some nutter on substack as if it it matters where this story was published right um you know as as same as they attacked taibi in in congress recently like like this as well like as if you know, oh you make money of this on substack you know as if the, the <laughs> people at the new york times don't make money um you know or the the wapo or whatever um so, so you know, he's just like a, 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 a he's 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 a likely first of all he's a likely person to get a story like this, and he's a person who seems based on track record to be trustworthy to not just lie about this. He's a likely person to get this because he's he's known he has contacts and he's known for protecting his sources and for doing this kind of work. You know, same reason why Greenwald got the Snowden story, because Snowden knew Greenwald from his blog and from his writing at The Guardian. He was like, this guy is really, um, like, really cares. He's really honest about civil liberties and, and you know, fighting censorship and fighting for free speech. So, so he trusted him off his, based off his writing. And you, you can see Hirsch to people, you know, who, who are in the field, who, who know their stuff. He, he'd be like, you know, he'd be like somebody you'd go to with a story like this, who you wouldn't be afraid, you know, who, you know or you'd, you'd, you'd hope wouldn't sell you out. Like it would be likely that he wouldn't sell you out 
because you know how this game works and he's done this thing this stuff in the past so yeah that so you know that kind of balance for me balances the the sourcing out because it makes it believable that such a source would come to him and you know just most crucially there is no other story that makes sense um like that nobody like this this prevailing theory that russia did it nobody has any good arguments for this i mean i, I put a link in the show notes to a new york times story which basically uh when the new york times was investigating this um and the story headlines kind of like it was the russians but in this story even the times um points out that it's become known like this is i don't know when was this uh so still in 2020, I think uh, December or something. So you know this was like, um, yeah, this was uh, end of December 2022. Um, you know, so a few months after the attack, when they're they're kind of researching this, and uh, at this point, and the Times writes about this, it's become known that the Russians were actually asking around quietly at you know companies outside companies from other countries and stuff like that and trying to figure out how much it would cost to repair this pipeline so it makes no sense for them to blow up the pipeline and then trying to figure out how to repair it um so even the times there kind of you know presents arguments that kind of make their whole premise for the article um ridiculous and i mean you know adding to that that biden and newland threatened publicly to basically destroy the pipeline um or you know to basically blow it up they threatened to to shut it down somehow which you know um which actually uh hirsch goes on in the story uh heard from his source how um how uh terrified the the, the spies like the intelligence people working on this op planning this operation were when biden said that um <laughs> but then they quickly decided that oh but this is actually good for us but because now it's like they had this legal argument apparently with some CIA lawyers apparently had this argument that, that now it actually wasn't a covert operation anymore um and took that apparently as a justification to like transfer it to the navy they were like it's not a it's not really a covert operation because the president basically said that we were going to do this which is obviously bullshit, but like, you know, I don't know if that would legally fly, but also then I wouldn't, in those circles, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. <laughs> um, then there's, there's obviously an alt alternative story, I think that the Zeit and the Spiegel came up with in Germany, which is about some yacht that apparently some weird Bulgarians chartered that, you know, they have connections to Ukraine, apparently, Um that story is ridiculous. Has all kinds of holes in it. Like you know, um, there's like, you know, with the Guardian writing about the story, put Lincoln Journal talks about how you know they couldn't even get the like that yacht. Yacht isn't big enough to um, transport the 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 amount of explosives you need. Like you, you, like it's like we're talking eighty meters, right? You can't just do scuba diving down there. Like you need like heliox and like special. You need like. Like those navy divers, you need you need like saturation divers, like people who who do this uh, for a living, um, and it's it you know you you'd have to be there in a boat for a long time because um, those 
well, either you, you need a decompression chamber, which doesn't fit on that yacht, which probably fits on one of the, you know, on the USS Kearsarge, they probably have one. Um, because, you know, if you get the divers up, you can put them like in a compression chamber and get them up quickly and then decompress them on board of the ship, I guess. Um, or like with a submarine, you can pick them up with a submarine. But if you don't have that, you'll have to spend a lot of time surfacing like you know to decompress from that 80 meters dive um so yeah that that whole story just just seems to completely be unbelievable obviously ukraine on top of that actually denied all involvement um of course the russians and the u.s did as well i think the russians did because they actually didn't do it and you know the u.s is just i mean i've actually been some journalists who uh journalists who've actually asked a, uh, a White House spokesperson in a White House press conference. So there are still some real journalists uh, who re referenced this Seema Hirsch story and said, you know, Seema Hirsch alleges this, what do you say to this? And they just basically just laughed at it. Like, this is uh, some some nutcase. It's not, they didn't address it. They were just, they did basically dismissed it out of hand. Like you would do, like, you know, throw shade at the guy. Um, yeah, so... I don't know. Um, I don't think we'll find out anytime soon if first was correct. This is not going to come out. It's just going to be like one of these things that, you know, if it comes out in like 20 years, you know, people like me will go, well, that was obvious. Well, I think the whole world will then suddenly go, this is obvious. I mean, all these journalists that are now not writing about it or calling Hirsch an idiot, like people like that, will then go, oh, well, well, well this was obvious in hindsight, but I don't think... Um, um, yeah, for reasons I mentioned, I don't think the, the, the mainstream press, the legacy press is going to investigate this. I think they're too scared what they might find. Um, they wanna, they don't want to uncover this act of war, really. Um, so, yeah, I don't think, you know, I could end now saying like it's a, you know, you'd have up have to make up your own mind what you believe but i don't think it's a uh i don't think it's even a it's even that i think anybody who's um was a bit critical and he's actually thought about this kind of at this point has to agree with Hirsch because there's like no real other theory right uh, except that you know chartered boat in keel story which is obviously bullshit um <laughs> there is no like there's no other theory. Like there, that's just a vague. Well, it was the Russians' idea, which is which is bullshit. So so Hirsch, like, no matter how he's discredited in the mainstream, um, Hirsch's theory is the only good theory right now. Um, so it's kind of so you know. It's I think if you're if you're somebody who who likes to um draw conclusions for themselves like you can only go with that right you can you can either be somebody who just believes anything the legacy news media tells you um and just goes with that on the um premise that this is being told to you by the media organizations you know and trust for no specific reason just because they were always there and everybody always trusted them or you can you know 
have the semblance of thinking for yourself, I think. And then, I mean, you don't have, I don't think you have to say, well, it happened like this, but like it's, I think if you are inclined to like use your own brain to think about this, then it's obvious that this is like the only sensible story we have right now. Which means, of course, it could have happened a completely different way that we don't know about, right? Could have been the Germans. Uh, not that that makes any sense, but like you know, it could have could have been an operation by somebody completely different. Um, but I I don't think you know these. It doesn't make sense for the Russians to do it for obvious reasons because they don't benefit. Um, it's not been like people say it was the Ukrainians haven't haven't. Um, presented any any supporting arguments like who like what specific unit like who, who has the capabilities how did they do this um you know um yeah so i i would tend to think that this is a this is a good this was an ex very good research like in a good story by hirsch and i'm 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 sad if not you know obviously not surprised that none of my colleagues have really like that right for like millions of people have really picked this up um i mean i'm not surprised because it just doesn't fit into the narrative so these days any anything like that is just ignored i guess but yeah please let me know um let's let's get into the next section here and then i'll, I'll once again uh, ask you to to tell me what you think So I don't have any feedback right now because I, you know, I'm preparing. I have prepared this episode very close to the to the the the, 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 the last episode, even though like the recording some time off of that. But like, I, you know, I haven't haven't gathered any feedback. Basically, I'm gonna do that next episode. I think. Um, yeah, it's just the the way things go with my schedule right now. But I would like you to write in, uh, especially on this episode. Please uh, become a producer. Uh, provide some feedback. Tell me what you think. Um, do you think this story is unbelievable? And have have you maybe read some other theories that I've, I've I don't know I haven't come across that that you think are uh, plausible? I don't know. What what do you think? If you're you're from the US, um, do you think this is all propaganda, or do you believe it makes sense for your government to have done this? And would you um, would you be surprised if your government had done this? Basically. But I mean, because it is, it is a very daring thing, <laughs> you know, if they, if they would have got caught, uh, wow, I don't think it would have caused any war, but certainly um, uh, strained diplomatic relations, especially here in Germany, like even if the government would have gone, yeah, well, they're our allies, I think the public would have said, you know, our gas prices are eight times what they used to be <laughs> uh, because of this shit. Like, you know, at least uh, pay us back for that. Or I don't know. Um, yeah. What, what do you think? Uh, let me know. Um, and then we'll, we'll hopefully talk about that in the, well, maybe I can probably have some feedback next episode. It might not be that feedback, but we'll, we'll talk about it uh, in an upcoming episode.
so I mentioned this at the top of the show. Um, obviously, this podcast has a Patreon. Uh, details are on privatecitizen.press. I appreciate everybody who pitches in, not only by, you know, writing me feedback, telling me what else they want covered, but also, you know, monetarily, especially now that my schedule is all fucked up and I'm not producing as many episodes as I promised. But, you know, believe me when I say that I'm doing my best. I'm doing what I can. And uh, I appreciate everybody who supports the show, even while they have to wait sometimes a week or whatever for another episode. So thanks to my showrunner, Sorgal Taran. Thanks to the executive producers, 1I11G, Butterbeans, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Rizel, and Sandman616. And also thanks to my supervising producers, Avis, Bennett Piata, Dave, IKN, Jackie Plage, Jonathan M. Hitai. I always start this wrong and then I catch myself because he told me, I'm a f- I pronounce it the German way, you fucking bastard. He didn't say that, but um, yeah, I always catch myself. Crunkle. Uh, Michael Mullen Jensen, Robert Forster, Robert Forster, I have no idea, Tobias Weber, or Tobias Weber, who the fuck knows, and I don't, you know, if you're okay with me, the way I pronounce your name, all is fine. If you if you would like a correction, please email me, and I'll, I'll make that happen. Uh, thanks to my producers, Andrew Davidson, Astro C, Cam, Captain Ackett, David Potter, Dirk Didi, Fadi Mansour, Florian Pigosh, Joe Poser, Michael Small, Mika, Mr. Ramish, Rick Bragg, and RJ Tracy. Like this combination of like probably German and then English names just throws me the fuck off. Uh, also thanks to my associate producers, Barry Williams, D. Jonathan, Johan Sonen, Kaisias, Ricky M., Steve Hose, and Vlad. And also thanks to Bindmark at bindmark.co.uk for providing the servers and bandwidth for this podcast. That's it. I'm out of here. Um... I would say I'm going to run off, release the show now, but I won't because I just pre-recorded, but I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> this is some weird kind of Star Trek time loop shit. Um, yeah, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to gonna go now. Um, actually, I'm going to go running. I've got, I'm gonna actually going to go running. Uh, gonna, I haven't been running for days. I need to do some exercise, uh, put on the plate carrier and uh, yeah, and sweat a little bit. And uh, I'll be back. I don't know when soon because I don't know when I'm releasing this, but hopefully soon. Um, as I said in the beginning of the show, I've got lots of plans, uh, lots of episodes I need to do, and I will try to do them as soon as I can. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the show. Please send me feedback. All the details are on privatecitizen.press, including the name of the theme songs called Acoustic Roots by Raul Kabazali. And I'm going to play us out with a song called I Won't Stop Now by Nikki Gee, which I really liked, um, discovered on Epidemic Sound. So I'm going to do that, and I'll see you soon. Keep thinking for yourself, i.e. aiming to misbehave. Never